0: morning. Today's scripture reading is Luke 4, 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place, and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Thank
1: you, Jim. Well, good morning. I, I Maybe I'll uh, just take a moment and uh, just introduce a couple of my friends who are with us this morning. Uh, and I don't know if their spouses are here or not. I see. Yeah, here we go. Jordan and Casey. If you guys just stand up for a second. This is Jordan and Casey. And uh, Jordan and Casey and Peter. Where's, where's Peter now? Where's Peter? Okay, you guys can see. I'm not going to make you stand the whole time, but it's just a real pleasure to have them here with us. Peter's uh, wife, Abby, is, is at a hotel room taking care of their sick kids. Uh, but we're just really excited that you guys are able to come here. Peter, I had the privilege of marrying both of them. No, I didn't marry them. I officiated. I, I got to work on how I say that. Uh, I had the privilege of officiating both of their uh, weddings. We, we served together in a, in a music team in Boston uh, years ago. And so it's, it's just wonderful to have them uh, have them come back. Uh, and it's it's exciting. Actually, I'm hoping uh, Peter. Actually, he's he's playing. Some of you may have heard of the Gettys, Keith and Kristen Getty. They wrote "In Christ Alone" and a number of other ones. Well, he's their bass player, and so they come every once in a while. And I, are you guys coming back next year? Probably at Christmas time. And we a few of us went last year. I know Al went, and uh, a couple others went. I would love this year to get just a ton of people from our church to go. Are they you playing at Carnegie Hall again? That. Not a bad place to, to do a show, and uh, it's, it's just an incredible worshipful time. Anyway, so that's, that's Peter and Jordan, and I'm just, I'm really excited that they're here. I'm extra excited that they're here this morning, and I'm going to tell you why. You, some of you might be checking your watches, and you're like, it's 11.19, and Kevin is just starting his sermon. And I, I'm going to tell you that I've kind of allowed this service to go along. It was interesting, and I'll get into, I think I'll explain why in a little bit. Uh, this week, for whatever reason, was one of the most difficult sermon preparation weeks I've had in years, uh, and I think there's an irony which we'll see that will emerge when it comes out. And I, I finally thought, well, you know, well maybe just, God just doesn't want me to talk very much this morning. And I thought, well, let's just—I've got music, let's let's sing and let's worship. And I'm, I'm going to get to—I think there's actually an irony in maybe why uh, this was a struggle for me uh, this morning. But but let's just take a moment. I just want to pray. I could use your prayer, and let's just pray that God comes and reveals. What he, what he wants us to see this morning. Dear God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, we praise you for your faithfulness, and we thank you for the faithfulness of your word. God, sometimes we're challenged, sometimes we struggle with it, Lord. But God, I pray that we would always have the faith to know that underneath these words is pure love and pure grace that is designed to shape us into who you've called us to be. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, John, we'll call him John. Uh, John is middle-aged, middle-aged guy, uh, successful career, sort of had his career uh, envisioned from when he was young, knew this is where I want to go, this is what I want to do, and and all of the pieces fell in line. All of the pieces just, just connected one after another. Got into the, the school he wanted to go to, the right graduate school. And, and, and just everything fell in line. And, and now he's got a great, great job. Uh, has wonderful family, house full of kids. Just, just has everything that you would, would want to have, I think. And, and yet when I spoke to him one time on the phone... He said, "To be honest with you, I'm. I feel empty. Uh, I feel empty inside. I, I have a, uh, anxiety sometimes. I can't sleep at night. Uh, sometimes I feel like uh, I'm. I'm like going crazy. Like I'm losing my mind." That's John. Then there's Barbara. We'll call her Barbara. Uh, <clears throat> Barbara is a single, a single woman who uh, has jumped around a little bit career-wise, job to job, and. And she shared with me once that there are times when she wakes up in the morning and she just doesn't want to get up. She just can't get up. She just would rather just put the covers over her head and just go back to sleep. She just feels like there's no reason for to live in some respects, just, just this complete emptiness. Now, this is, this is the point, right, where you're thinking to yourself, well, Pastor Kevin, this is when you tell them about Jesus. Right? I mean, come on. I mean, somebody coming up to the pastor and saying, I feel empty inside. I mean, that's like, you know, going to a, what do you call them, a, a personal injury lawyer and telling them you got in a car accident. Right? I mean, you're just, like, setting it up. I mean, they're just, you're just walking right into my trap. I mean, you come up and tell a pastor that you feel empty inside? I mean, and, you know, come on, you're, you're going to hear about Jesus. I remember I had, a, I had a friend who used to kind of play tricks on pastors. She She worked in a Starbucks and and she, when she knew a pastor was coming, she would start saying all these things, like, I feel empty inside, and boy, I wish that I just had a book that had all the answers and all of this, just to see if they would take the bait, right? When somebody comes to a pastor and says, yeah, I feel empty inside, well, this is, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me introduce you. Let me allow you to enter into a relationship with God. That's what you need, right? So, so wouldn't I say that to, what were, I can't remember what names I made up for them, For for John and Barbara, isn't that what I would say? Okay, well, here's the problem. John and Barbara are Christians. John and Barbara are Christians. (laughs) John and Barbara already gave their lives to Jesus many years ago. John and Barbara already have, in many respects, a vital relationship with, with God. So... What do, you, what do you say to them? Today we're starting, well, I think we're starting a three-week series. I could totally change my mind next week. We're starting a series called Faith in the Desert. Faith in the Desert. And, and I think I'm really just, I'm not going to say a whole lot this morning. I'm going to just say a couple, of, just a couple of, I think, foundational principles that emerged from this. And, and one is, is just simply this. What emerges from this passage, if I even have the right page marked, I'm all out of sorts here, Uh, What emerges from this passage is, is simply this. The desert follows deliverance. The desert often follows deliverance. Now that seems backwards, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't that seem weird, the desert follows deliverance? You know, I thought it was, you know, I'm dry and I'm thirsty and I, and I need God. And, and so then I, I, I come to know God. I come to, you know, I, and, and then, and then I'm, I'm, you know, delivered from the desert, right? I mean, isn't, isn't that, you know, isn't that kind of what happens here? You know, like, because you, you think, you know, you're, you're struggling in your, your walk with, you don't even know God or whatever. You come to know him, you get baptized. Baptized symbolizes deliverance deliverance from emptiness and pain and sickness and all that anxiety, deliverance from that, right? Isn't it desert? Then deliverance, baptism, and then, right? Doesn't doesn't deliverance come after the desert? I mean, right? Doesn't Jesus, right, he spends uh, 40 days uh, in the desert, right? And then after the desert, right, then he goes and John the Baptist baptizes him, right? Isn't that how it goes? He's in the desert for 40 days, and, and then, then he comes out and John baptizes him, symbolizing deliverance and all of that. Well, actually, that's not how it works. <laughs> Strangely, Jesus gets baptized right before he goes into the desert. You go back to chapter 3, it's the last thing that happens. John the, Bap- John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and we get into the difference between Jesus' baptism and ours, but the rough, roughly, it's, it's, it's a symbol of deliverance. Generally speaking, that's what baptism is. And, and, and so you're like, well, wait a minute. I don't, why, why, why would it be deliverance into desert? Deliverance into desert. Deliverance into desert. Going through the waters and then walking in the desert. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, actually, you know, when you look at this passage... Uh, if you have any sort of familiarity with the Old Testament, you come to realize that maybe you're having deja vu. What's what's going on here? Jesus, does this sound familiar? Going through the waters of baptism, through the waters, and then into the desert. This is exactly what happened to the people of Israel people of israel they they were went through the Red Sea they were delivered that's the central image for salvation in the Old testament is deliverance through the red sea and 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 then and then right then they go right into the promised land right no no they're 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 delivered and then they they go into they go into the desert. And, and so I think we see something here. This is important. They do. They get delivered. They get delivered from slavery in Egypt. And so this is important. We need to realize that, that when you profess faith in Jesus, you absolutely are delivered from sin. You are delivered from the power that sin has to ultimately consume you. And, and, and we, we should rest in that. We should trust in that. We should know that, you know what, whatever I'm struggling with, I can overcome this because I'm no longer enslaved to it anymore. I'm no longer enslaved to my anxiety and my worries. I'm no longer enslaved to, to my, my lustful thoughts. I'm no longer enslaved to my propensity to lie, uh, to guard my reputation. I'm no longer enslaved to my laziness. I'm no longer, in, I'm no longer enslaved to it, and, and we want to hold to that. But what we need to realize, though, is that isn't this, it's not like it's a straight line from, that, from being delivered from slavery to, to the inheritance, to the complete Shalom, freedom of God, that, there, that we go into the desert. That the Christian life parallels exactly what we find in the story of the people of Israel. That just as the Israelites were delivered from Egypt through the Red Sea and, and then into the desert, we also have been delivered from sin, uh, rescued, delivered through baptism, but then into the desert. And so you find throughout the New Testament all kinds of, of language that, that says, I love in 1 Peter 4, 12, it says, do not be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. He said, don't be surprised by that. A lot of us were surprised by it, aren't we? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I, I came to know God. I came to know Jesus. I've, this shouldn't be happening. He says, don't, don't, be, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised by it. The Christian life is one in which we walk in the desert. And I want to, so that, that, that's really the main point I have. And, and then I think the secondly, what I want to just, emer, what I think emerges from this, the first part of this, is I want to look at, okay, when you're in the desert, here's what happens. When you're in the desert, you are likely to face temptation. You see, when you're in the desert, then you're in, a, you're, you're, you're in, in somewhat of a weak place. And so it's, it's very, this is a very great time for you to be, to be tempted. And so we need to realize that the Christian life actually you're going to face temptation. And this is what this is saying. You're going to face temptation just as Jesus faced temptation. You're going to face temptation. And so the question is, how do we, well, let's look, what I want to just do is look at one of these temptations here. If you are the son of, this is verse 4, the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Tell this stone to become bread. Now, what, what, what's going on here? I, I think there are a couple of things that are happening here. Jesus is hungry. He's in the desert. He's, in, you know, he's, he's weak, he wants something to eat. And the devil says, turn this stone into, into bread. Now, there's a couple of things going on. But what I want to highlight is I, I think the temptation that we can draw out of this is simply this. It's the temptation to take matters into our own hands. It's the temptation to take control of the situation, and I, I think we see that if, if we we see if we turn back, see if I marked this page in Exodus. Again, this parallels the story of the story of the people of Israel, and you can turn if you want to. This is Exodus uh, chapter sixteen, beginning in verse thirteen. It's on page seventy of your pew Bibles, and in this passage, this is again the Israelites. They've Come out of Egypt. They have come through the Red Sea. Now they're wandering in the desert, and and, and God provides for them. He sends manna, or he sends quail, and he sends manna uh, to provide for them. Uh, but but let me just read kind of how God does this, because He does it in a way that forces them to to trust Him and to not take control of the situation. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take, take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, some gathered much, some gathered little, and when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to to them, no one is to keep any of it until the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. So you see what's going on? They're, 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 they've got this. They've been given this food, and God tells them, "I don't want you to save it till tomorrow because He's saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me the next day.'" And what do they do? They they say, "No, I've got to take control of this situation. I, I don't I don't trust. If I, I've got, I'm in a position to take control." And so I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity. And I think, I I was thinking about this because I think we all do this, don't we? We all look for any opportunity to control the situation. And and so this is where I I think it's kind of ironic. I remember I was preaching, it was actually my first sermon kind of ever in seminary. And I I remember uh, the night before, I was so worried. I mean, you know, it's your first sermon. And I was very worried, and I was very anxious about it. And the irony was, I was preaching on Matthew 25 or Matthew 6, 25 through 34, and the whole point is Jesus says, do not worry. <laughs> so I'm preaching on do not worry, and the night before, I'm really, really anxious. And I think a similar irony occurred this, this past week. I, I, I will say I wasn't actually as worried or anxious, certainly, as I was that first time around. But what I found was, y- yesterday I was working on them. Usually on Saturdays, I'll just kind of uh, review it and tweak a few things. But as I came to it, I'm just like, I don't think this makes any sense. I don't even know how to, how to make this work. I thought it was good, but then I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. And so I started really trying to fix it and really trying to work all the different angles. And, and it, it just seemed like it got worse. And, and, and it, well, here's what it felt like. It felt like I was trying to make bread out of stones, You ever tried to make bread out of stones? <laughs> and that's what it felt like. I'm trying to make bread out of stones. And so finally, I just I kind of got, you know, got, got the irony. Uh, Kevin, do you know what this passage is about? I uh, don't make, oh. So I realized, you know, this is a moment where I need to simply let go. I simply need to let go and trust. And I want to just ask you this, this, I'm basically done here. I want to press you with this question. What in your life are you, are you trying to make bread out of stones? Where in your life are you trying to make bread out of stones? what are you trying to what are you trying to force what are you trying to control that maybe you just need to let you just need to let god take care of it of course the question that will always emerges is, is you know why how can i trust how can i trust god and and this is where and you know we go back to our passage and we need to sort of see the big picture, what what is going on here? What What is this passage all about? It's about Jesus coming from heaven, leaving the glory and the control of heaven behind. It's about him coming in here and him entering into our world. You see, Jesus entering into the desert foreshadows Jesus ultimately dying on the cross. Here we get a glimpse, a glimpse of, of, of Jesus, the pull of you know, Jesus had it all in, in, in glory, and now he's being separated from the fullness and the blessings of God in creation. He's being separated from it here, and it and it and he has to trust. And it foreshadows, it points to this the beginning of his ministry, points to the end of his ministry, where on the cross he experiences. This this abandonment from the father, you know. I I, I like to. I wasn't. This is one of the illustrations. I wasn't sure if I was going to share, and I guess I'm going to share it now. And then maybe you can tell me I shouldn't. But but in Back to the Future, um, in Back to the Future, Doc Brown is he's worried. They they end up. Uh, uh, Marty's wife uh, gets taken in the future. Gets taken um, to the to her home, but her. Her future self is there. You guys remember this? And so, so she, you know, the, the, the old, well, the young, the one from 1984 is now being taken by the cops to the, to the home, her home, in 2015. Are you with me so far, right? And Doc Brown's like, if they meet, if they see each other, if they connect, he's like, it, this could allow the space-time continuum to unravel. Again, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but here's, here's what happens here. <laughs> Jesus is being tempted, listen to this, he's being tempted to not trust the Father. Jesus, in an eternally loving relationship with the Father from all time, that the, the we're saying that our God is three in one, this is the very essence of, of the Christian faith, is that our God is, is a community of love that has been in communion from all eternity. And that cre- the creation came out of that love. That it was, it, was, it was out of that love that God created and sustains all things. And, and so right here, there's this like, is, is he going to not trust the Father? What's going to happen? I just think space-time continuum unravels. That's the kind of, the, the, the magnitude of what's happening here. And it's the magnitude of when, then what takes place on the cross. And the whole point here is that he did this for us. He was willing to give everything, willing to risk everything. Why? Because he is a God of love. And so when you, we're going to take communion here in just a minute. And communion is an opportunity for you to to once again profess your faith in Christ and be united with him, be united with him, be united with him in the desert, That if you're in the desert right now, I want you to know there is a God who has entered into that desert with you. And if you cling to him, he will see you through. Let's pray. Dear God, we praise you. We praise you that you just give us enough for the day. God, it is sometimes a curse when you give us more than we need for the day because we forget you. God, I pray for those this morning who are in the desert. I pray for those who, as they look around, um, it seems like their world is unraveling. I pray for those who feel like they are without hope. And maybe even those who are confused on why they could feel this way, why they could be in the desert when they've come to know you. God, I pray that first they would not be surprised by it. Secondly, they would know that you are with them in it. pray this in Jesus' name.